You're listening to the Arcade Worlds podcast, where we're chatting all things gaming. Hello, Tom. Hello. Good morning. Good good afternoon for us, right? Good evening, whenever, wherever you end up watching. Um, welcome to the Arcade Vaults podcast. Um, we're to episode five. Still here, still going. Still here, still ramping going. Up. Yeah, ramping up for whatever the world looks like and whatever we look like after lockdown and things, I guess, at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. How's yeah. it going, Chris? Because you, you've been doing stuff, getting ready, right? I have been, yeah. We'll uh, we'll give you a little update on that later. But uh, I, we, we things are starting to edge towards normality. They're starting to get there, so it's it's nice. So, uh, oh, <laughs> and what, hopefully one day what will happen is we'll be in a situation where we'll be back in the uh, back in the community rooms recording a podcast, and background noise will be limited to the uh, sounds of Tom and I banging on desks rather than motorbikes and ice cream vans. Yeah. <laughs> a literal motorbike gang just drove past. Um, cool. So we're getting there. We're getting back we to normality slowly. Um, it's two of us now, but obviously it's never normally two of us. Um, mm-hmm. We do have our special guest. We have Leah. I'm really excited to have Leah on. How's it going, Leah? Hey, both. How are you doing? All right. I have coffee, so I'm good. <laughs> I have tea. I've got my tea. Yeah, yeah look at us. This is us with our hot drinks. Yeah. Uh, so Leah, do, you want to take a second to, do you want to take a second to introduce yourself and things? I know who you are. I've yeah. known you for a long time, but um, everybody else might not. Cool. Um, so I'm Leah. I'm from Cardiff Way originally, but I've moved down to the southeast of England for some people. <laughs> um, I am currently an associate producer at Wonderstruck, uh, so I work on a game called Boundless, um, and I'm also a community manager in my spare time for Exit 23 Games. So a little bit about Wonderstruck. So Wonderstruck is a video games company, um, so Boundless is a sandbox MMO, uh, which released two years ago on PlayStation and was in early access on Steam for a little while longer. And then for Exit 23, I do the community management for there. So I attend events, so any board game events you can think of. So UK Games Expo, Tabletop Gaming Live, uh, things like that. Um, And then I help out then. In the meantime, uh, we did a Kickstarter a couple of years ago for a all-inclusive Blood Bowl tabletop uh, team called the Zenobian Zeniths, which are really cool. So the aim of that was to provide a team which was inclusive to women without showing off them as sexual creatures but as the badass women that they can be so yeah that's a little bit yeah. about me and what i do <laughs> cool amazing yeah and like waiting for events to come back i imagine right yeah, yeah. for sure yeah and also our first guest outside of uh, outside of cardiff uh, is that right <laughs> it is yeah yeah, yeah. look at us yeah god i didn't even think about that yeah, yeah. it is yeah Expanding yeah, I guess slowly. a little bit of background. <laughs> I think other than some temp work that I did, technically Leah gave me my first ever job in video games, I suppose, in a way, right? Yeah. A long yep. time ago. <laughs> for an as will remain unnamed retailer that we will move past. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Totally didn't poach you from your other retailer job that you were working at the time. 
<laughs> Did, didn't you, yeah. didn't you yeah. used to do some... Oh, I didn't even think about that connection. Because, so, at this, when, when you first hired me, I was working for Paolo at the time, right? Who, Paolo, I don't yep. think you know about Paolo, Chris, but he's that gaming dad on Instagram. So he um... does a lot of stuff with kind of like tabletop gaming and things as well. All right, all right. I do. I've, I've, seen, I've seen you... It's all tied together. I've seen his posts. <laughs> I've seen his posts. I think I even follow him. Uh, and didn't, did, you, did you do some stuff for Super Smarter as well? Do I, did I imagine that? No, so yeah, I used to help out Tom in Super Tomato. Yeah. So um, the the video game shop in Cardiff, so yeah. selling lots the, of retro, yeah, yeah lots yeah. of retro games. So um, yeah, still keep in touch with Tom, yeah. moaning about games that we're both playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously I, it's a bit harder to have a physical presence. It is, yeah. I, I did, I did bump into him the other day uh, uh, as he was venturing out uh, slowly to get his plans, is getting his plans together for. Super Tomato reopening, so hopefully um, we'll be doing some stuff with them in the future. Or basically, I'll just be going there and buying some games for the shop, uh, something like that. But, <laughs> but we we do yeah, talk a lot to him as well. Yeah, good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lovely guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be it'll be nice to have that shop back. It'll be nice to have all shops back. But amazing. So, um, I guess we'll jump straight into the news, right? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So, news this week. Um, lots of news, as there always are. There's, there always is a lot of news. Um, we've got a few articles up here. Uh, now, the first sort of two or three, I've dropped in together as one. So, Cuphead's Netflix series, is uh, it's got its first tease, so you can find that online now, which is really, really cool. Um, Disco Elysium, which is a really fantastic RPG that was available on Steam and things. Um, that looks like it's getting a TV adaption as well. And we've also had a whole bunch of news come out around Cyberpunk 2077. Um, they had their big Nightwire City um, kind of vignette thing. They, they showed us a bunch about the game, but they also showed us that there's an animated series coming next year, I think it is, um, for that one. So, yeah, a, a lot of stuff around video games moving to TV, considering it wasn't that long we were <laughs> saying it never works, right? Like, they've had a Last of Us one in the pipeline for ages, and it's never going to happen, and all of a sudden there's... Like three on the doorstep. The question is whether it, it they will work. Um, so I, I'm going to pull my hands up here. Um, it's been a busy week, uh, so I haven't actually. I've seen these headlines. I haven't actually seen any of the footage. Um, now, so I don't know what they, any of them look like. So I have no judgment on this whatsoever. So while we're talking, I'm going to have a quick uh, look at these, and you know, <laughs> let, let you two discuss them, and you, you, can sit, you can look at my first reactions while I'm talking <laughs> in the background. The podcast is going to doing your homework under the table <laughs> as the teacher's working their way around the class. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it, you know, the, the, the idea of a Cuphead pod, um, animation uh, is just like, well, that's, that's Cuphead, you know. So y- you can't go wrong with that style, really. I, 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 you know, it would, it, it, weirdly, it's probably going to come down to what the plot is and how the characters are portrayed, <laughs> for, you know, probably for that. Um, uh, Disco Elysium. I'm going to hold my hands up here. I, I don't know anything about the uh, game. don't know anything about it. So, Tom, you'll have to tell me all about that, if you know anything about it. I know Disco Elysium. It's like It's been on my periphery for a long time. I've not had a chance to sit down and play it, but I've seen a lot about it. I won a whole bunch of awards for like narrative and things. Um, I'm, I could be name-dropping incorrectly here, but I think Ian... Thomas, who's a friend of the Arcade Vaults as well, I think he was involved with it, or oh, okay. was involved with someone who worked on it. Um, I think Ian's got ties to Disco Elysium somewhere, but um, it like it seems like it's rife, right? Like when yeah. you look at it, it looks very sort of post-apocalyptic-y. 
ready to go for TV. Really, it's very narrative driven from what I could see. But but yeah, from for sure. But from the Sonic the Hedgehog producer, that sounds a bit of a weird mix. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, I'm quite. I'm really excited for that. Um, again, similar to Tom, it's been on my periphery for quite a long time. I've okay. been actually waiting for a console release just because I didn't have a PC setup at home. Um, however, that has now changed. And it is currently in the Steam sale, so definitely thinking about picking that up. Um, mm. He had lots of great things. Uh, listened to the IGN podcast about it when it came out, and they absolutely loved it. So lots of really good choices you can make throughout the game, which affects your decisions, uh, affects uh, the outcomes later on in the game. So, yeah, I love those types of games. So, yeah, I think it would be really interesting to do yeah. this TV series. This, this feels like something I should know more about now, just looking at it. It does look... <laughs> I'm looking at it now and it's like, hmm, this actually sounds really good. It probably hasn't come across my radar for the same reasons. Though I, I've moved away from PC games to some extent, so I think that's probably why it hasn't come, you know, popped up really, if it's been PC yeah. focus. I mean, I, I saw it and I was similar to you guys. I was like, ah, oh, probably not. But then I got, so one of the new MacBook Airs, one of Apple's new MacBook Airs, the ones they relaunched yeah. with the new processors and stuff. I've got one of those and it's able to be purchased from the App Store, not even through Steam. So I'm like, oh, it's wow. there direct. I don't trust a little MacBook Air to run it. I don't know how well it's going to run it. Um, I'll probably end up just buying it anyway, just yeah. to see if it will run and figure it out from there. Do the MacBook Airs have a dedicated like graphics chip for like gaming or anything like that? Is it? They've they've got built-in graphics as as standard, and they are Basis. supposed to, like. I think those MacBook Airs are. I should probably be careful how much I talk about it, uh, but those MacBook <laughs> Airs are like they're unsuspectingly powerful, considering it's an Air, right? Like, the yeah. Air's always been. The kind of less powerful machine, and they did have the just standard, you know, just MacBooks, the super small ones that were running mobile chips. Okay, and those are out of the line now, so it doesn't seem like there's anything else coming that way. So that MacBook Air is your entry level MacBook, but it seems like it's got a big bunch of heft. You know, I played about with basic video editing and stuff, and it's handled it really well. I'm really surprised. Okay. Oh. Mm. Um, did anybody get a chance to see any of the Cyberpunk stuff? Yes. <laughs> I... Just wow. Yeah, roll on November 19th is all I can all say right. about it. Um, obviously, it's a shame it has been delayed by two months, but at the end of the day, like those two extra months for bug fixes and polishes are going to make the game so worth it when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it looks incredible. I, I Again, I, I've read, read about much of the reactions to it, and uh, I am interested, but I haven't sat down because I thought I'd probably want to sit stay a little bit spoiler free but it's it's the same thing that with last of us so you just kind of do you want to watch any of the gameplay does it spoil how much of the game does it spoil do you know but um yeah I, I wasn't actually that interested in this game up at first if i'm honest and it's just just by its delay it's making me more and more interested in it i don't know how it's yeah. doing it but by osmosis all these little bits of information are coming out about it and it just yeah it's probably going to be a day one purchase as well I mean, this game had me, like, the minute I first saw stuff, I'm like, oh, cool, there's just lots of neon, and it's cyberpunk. Like, I'm in yeah. straight away. And it, it makes sense for, so it's, I want to say it's Trigger, the studio in Japan that are going to be producing and developing the anime for it. So they're, like, a, a really, like, well-respected, like, anime studio. It's just perfect for anime, right? Like, it's, it's where this whole genre yeah, yeah. came from in the first place. It just makes sense that it comes full circle, I think. It, yeah. is, is the anime going to be like tied into the plot of the game, or is it is it a parallel story? What's the? Have they really revealed any information about that? It seems like same world, 
different people and there might be characters that kind of slip in and out of the anime that you recognize from the game if you've played it okay but then it's it's that thing they have with the witcher as well where you now have the witcher game and the books and the tv series and they're all kind of the same and there's a lot of kind of slipping in and out of each other but okay and I've, i always like it when people are just less solid with canon anyway if you know what I mean, like just give people really? some flexibility oh. to just. I said thing like as soon as people are like, oh, is it canon now? I'm like, oh, I don't care. It's not important. <laughs> See, you should have been. You should, if, if you last week's podcast, we we talked extensively about canon, um, and w- w- you know there there was some. Yeah, I I think I'm probably on the other cent- other side of that. I I think canon is important as long as the property respects its own canon. If that makes yeah. sense, yeah. so, so yeah, like, definitely. I don't mean like you know necessarily stick to it like glue, but just like don't like blatantly suddenly say you know Superman's now born on Earth but got his powers through a mutant. Sure, yeah. it's, it's something's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Re- yeah. respect your history a little bit. So, but, but you know, in that weird like new Star Wars territory where these new films have come out and Disney have just gone all the books that you've been reading for the past twenty years, waiting for these films, ain't important. Forget that's about just... them and. Yeah. Like, I think that upset a lot of people. Right? I didn't, yeah, that's I exactly what Will them, said so last no week. Connection, yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think I think for me, it depends on how invested I am in the universe as a whole. So, for example, if you mm. when seventy six came out for Fallout, um, obviously a lot of it wasn't canon based on the original games. So I was just like, "What are you doing? <laughs> like, why, <laughs> why, why? <laughs> yeah, why is it? Just why? That, that, then, that... Yeah. Sorry, go on. Uh, but then you've just got to realise that sometimes it has to not be canon for it to work. So I guess it's all about give and take. As long as, it's, as you said with the Superman example, it's not completely out there and yeah, yeah. completely trashing an origin story, then there's got to be a little give and take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I yeah, guess totally. I guess with a new a new property like uh, this as well, um, it, it I guess canon doesn't matter so much. They're sitting there in canon at this point, right? I mean, they can do what they want. <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, like, I... Because they were always very much like that with The Witcher. We're like, oh, it's inspired by, and we're taking all the characters, but it's not stringent. But then I think, oh, I can't remember the name of the character, but they showed off some massive, huge android guy that they were like, yeah, if you've read the books, you'll recognize this character. And he was made years before this game happens and stuff. Oh. So it seems like they're taking elements and filtering it through how solid it is. I'm not sure, but it's going to be really interesting, I think. And it's it just sounds cool. Like, that world is so so cool from top to bottom already before the game's even out so we're like, oh we're gonna do an anime of it yeah yeah of course you are that makes so <laughs> much sense like it's gonna be awesome um cool yeah so a bunch of tv shows being adapted um next thing we've got on here oh the avengers game did anybody get to see any of the avengers stuff yes <laughs> For the, for the game that everyone kind of goes, there's an Avengers game coming? And nobody quite knows <laughs> what to make of it yet, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the first time I... I probably heard about it last E3 when they were proper shouting about it. But the first time I took notice was when I went to EGX last September. And they just had this massive Avengers booth with, like all of the props from the films in there and those massive PC stations for you to take your first look at it. Um, yeah, I caught the footage from earlier this week and just, just wow. Um, I think, mm-hmm. I think it's definitely filling the gap that there is at the moment with superhero games. Obviously we've got the Spider-Man game, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, but between 
Spider-Man and probably the Dark Knight, the last one, there hasn't really been any superhero games apart from the Telltale ones. So this is definitely filling mm. in a gap in the market, um, mm-hmm. especially with a bit of the break in the movies as well. Yeah, so, I, th- I think everything's had the breaks put on it a little bit. And it's just like the more that I'm talking to people about it, like I'm speaking to friends that aren't, like they play games, but they're not they're not in it, right? They're not industry kind yeah. of like that and trying to explain it to them and the only way i could find to verbalize it yeah if you played destiny it's kind of like destiny but instead of your own heroes you have avengers and you build them that way and stuff and they have this sort of linear narrative to go down but then they have their bigger more multiplayer stuff i think like gap in the market is a perfect way to phrase it like there's everything so far has seems to have been either really bad movie tie-ins or studios that are going Oh my god, we've got Batman. We we can't mess up Batman, <laughs> yeah. right? We can't ruin Spider-Man. And they've done yeah. incredible jobs of just knocking it on the head. But nobody's really tried to do I mean, I guess Marvel Ultimate Alliance is there, but that's very much a it's a very different kind of game in so many ways, right? But I I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Like, I think I, I I understand why people are so trepidatious about it. Like live service is a word that I, I think can really turn people off a little bit but they've been really vocal they've been like oh there's going to be stuff in our marketplace so like costumes and cosmetics and stuff but there's going to be story updates and character updates and new hero updates that you just get for free just have it so i think they're really going to want to get this right i think everyone's looking at what ea did with star wars and how difficult that relationship really is between disney and ea you don't want to make that mistake with disney properties again Uh, I gotta admit, you just listed all the reasons why I'm really not kind of excited about this because uh, I, I should be more excited about it, and I'm just like, it, it looks fine, and the story sounds interesting, and I'm secretly deep down hoping that it's going to be awesome, but just live the words live, so it's like not you know if you look at look at like the last few years and the biggest game releases, yes, Destiny and your online live kind of games or live service games are, are, are big. But does the Avengers need that? Does it, why, it's, I don't know, something about it just feels like milking, milking the cow for just every little drop. And yeah, <sighs> I, I get that. My, my one argument to that, that would be the Avengers maybe more so than, because the thing, you've got to think, Disney are going to want that game, right? Disney are going to be looking at it going, there's a gap in the market where yeah, yeah. online multiplayer games, we are not involved. And that's the biggest segment in terms of pure revenue of, of mm. video games, period. So how do we do it? I don't know anything else that fits it as much as the... Like, the idea that this game could come out, and as long as the story is solid and decent and fun for maybe 15, 20 hours, you go, oh, there's a decent game there. And I can play Avengers with my friends. I think three, four years down the line, you could have, like... A roster of 30 40 different avengers and it's they've got this idea of it of well my hulk will play differently to your hulk and and your iron man can be playing support but my iron man can be playing ranged and it looks like they've got a kind of dynamic thing going i i think it's either gonna flop horribly mm. which is the scary part or they could genuinely sort of reshape the way that a lot of online games and sort of the whole play your own way sort of thing works then they really could shake that up and shake it, shake it up completely. Did uh, did either of you ever come across either of you ever come across City of Heroes or City? Was it City of Heroes? That yeah, there was City the, of Heroes. 
Was it City of Heroes? And, and City of Villains. Something of that... Champions as well? In terms of, you're talking about the MMO multiplayer game, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, a friend of mine really, really got into it because I was going to get into it and then I just never had the time to invest into it. But it was a, an online MMO for superheroes. It it was it was around for years. It just kind of yeah. like what what happens with any MMOs? You just end up with like a hardcore base or just like all leveled up players, and they, you know they stick with it. And it's really hard for beginners to get into. So there's that danger that worries me about the any kind of online Avengers experience because you'll get like a hardcore lot who well you get everyone playing at the beginning and then everyone will finish their you know main campaign and they'll leave the game. You'll get that hardcore lot staying in there, leveling up their Avengers kind of sticking with it and no matter what content that other people that get added in you'll just end up with that hardcore contingent and it will make it really inaccessible for beginners to kind of come back into or you know that that's my worry and you know yeah i know maybe i'm i could be wrong it might not work go that work that way at all i don't know the mechanics of the game it could just be really simple straightforward yeah, I, th- I think i think messaging is going to be hugely important in that right like yeah. What you're saying there is, I still how I think a lot of people look at like I still play a lot of Destiny, and I think a lot of people look at Destiny like that. But the reality is, what everyone else is doing is des- in Destiny has nothing to do with my experience in Destiny at this point. Like, I can play through that game on my own. I can do strikes with a couple of other play- players, and they're going to be around about the same thing. And I think, hopefully, like, I mean, it would have been pretty much the start of this generation, right? That we're in now, the PS4 generation, where you had Destiny and Destiny Two and games as and the division and these games coming up and i feel like they've had a whole generation to get it wrong over and over again and mm-hmm. then fix it and patch it and change it and rebalance like yeah. destiny now i've just started another character and you pretty much start not too far off everyone else and you get a big head start to get you up to speed so that if you want to go competitive you can if you don't don't worry about it so i think balancing is going to be super important but okay. i have hope uh, hope's good hope's yeah. good Yes. <laughs> On the news of, of games as service and massive online games, Pokemon are doing a MOBA? Oh, no. It's yeah. a MOBA, right? Like, uh, and that is the reaction, the Leah, words. that I've seen on loads of people's faces. <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, for me, I think if it had come out maybe 10 years ago, I would have been all over it. Um, but I think because of the way my game taste has kind of developed and the amount of time it takes to invest in an MOBA is just beyond what I can commit to to get good, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at the gameplay that they showed at the um, the Pokemon live stream this week, it looks really interesting. I like the fact that you can start off with your Pokemon at level one and you have to level it up throughout the match um so at least you're not going in with these heavy hitters straight off um but yeah um not what i expected from the pokemon company <laughs> this has been not. the story yeah with so many of pokemon's announcements where like i get it pokemon are at a point now the pokemon company especially where they're going right we want all our fingers in all the pies we want every base covered we want a big open world mobile game like they released Cafe Mix, which was really fun. Like I've played about that and it's super accessible. You can brush your teeth with your Pokemon, like they want it <laughs> everywhere. But like the overwhelming message from like social media when I did it is everyone going, Is that it? Like, yeah, this isn't this, exactly is, this isn't yeah. what we want. And I guess I have to keep adjusting myself, like the people the echo chamber that I'm in 
just want remakes of games that we had when we like they want a Johto thing, they want more stuff. Like we're probably not the majority when you look at the Pokemon audience, right? I'm not thinking about what yeah. five year olds want from Pokemon yeah, or ten year olds or eleven year olds. And I mean, if you look at MOBAs in general and where kind of the hubs are throughout the world, I think the kind of audience that will really buy into this, they're just going to love it. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it progresses and whether there's going to be like a whole esports dedicated to this as well and how that progresses, whether there's going to be proper tournaments. Well, that's yeah. got to be what they're going for, right? They've got to be thinking... Okay, it's not just we're not just talking mobile here and, and that audience. We we want to go for the esports market, but with like with Pokemon, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's I, I I'm pretty much in the same echo bubble as you, Tom. But I have seen outside of that some a lot of positive reaction to it. Um, you know, people are going, "Oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to this." So there is there is you know it it's just it's just the what <laughs> the. the there's there's a lot of links with a lot of Nintendo communities that we have, and a lot of the a lot of the Pokemon fans in those groups are very much like, huh? And, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, there's also the secondary reaction about what they perceive to be quite a toxic kind of genre, which is really a weird we weird sweeping thing to say about like MOBAs in general but I guess the reputation that they have is they're just a little bit on the toxic side so people are a bit worried that this lovely friendly Pokemon image is going to be tarnished by all these horrible well MOBA people yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. well, I mean, it's, you know, it's like Riot Games don't you know they're kind of the kings of it and they don't have the best reputation and things no, they so. do not I mean, it's there. I think Pokemon have always done a relatively good job, I think, of managing that kind of stuff. But then, true to Nintendo, they've not had a huge amount of involvement in terms of just online games in general, right? Like, they've not had a huge foot in online. No, but I can I, see it. Yeah. When it gets, like, big, like, world championships for Pokemon and, and like, the TCG and stuff, mm. it makes sense in terms of those big events to just have a big MOBA there as well. Like, why would you not? You know, if we think about, like, Benji and, and, and you know, the guys... Like uh, yeah. Ben, the guys that, you know, Kieran that goes religiously to these big tournaments. Yeah, have another section with another Pokemon game. I imagine they're big thought. And also trying to get that eSports money, which seems to be there, but I don't know how people find it and I don't know where it comes from, but it's there for no. sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is definitely there. Didn't they just, didn't Gareth Bale just come out as uh, being like a, the owner of a, or the co owner of a, a big team? Not Gareth Bale, sorry. Um, no, it was Gareth Bale. Was it really? Yeah, it is. Yeah. That slipped me by. Yeah, I, 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 I was going to drop what? it into the news. I'm sure, I, I'm sure I saw something about this. I'm, now I'm not. Now I'm not one hundred percent sure. <laughs> I'm going to double check this. <laughs> quick art of Google. I'm double check it. Um, uh, yeah, I think we'll do that on the fly. That's we're going like to do that on the fly. Um, I only noticed it earlier today. So um, yeah, yeah, he's launched. Uh, oh, this was in February. How did we miss this? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, yeah, that's a... yeah, yeah. This is in February. Um, yeah, he co-owns. He co-owns a. No, I do remember this. Yeah, it's a FIFA team. Okay, that would make, a lot, make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, my head was very much still on MOBAs, where I was like, yeah. "Fail." Understand <laughs> no, what League of Legends is? That's what? A, I, I'll be honest. When I think of esports, FIFA isn't the first game that pops into my head. It would. It wouldn't be. You know, I always think of MOBAs first in terms of esports, and then your fighting games. And that. It's just, I know FIFA's yeah, a big. I think like competitive scene can be it can feel so detached from a lot of the rest of the industry because it's so clicky isn't the right word but like if you're in you're in mm. right 
Like, even if you think, like, that's what they've been doing, the Premier League's back now. There's football happening again now. But in that interim, they've had Premier League football players playing, competing with, like, esports players and stuff. Like, it's it's there. Like, it's part of the zeitgeist now. It's a thing. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, because I didn't even know this had happened, honestly. But it looks like it's all tied to... So he's got 11s in Cardiff, which is the bar yeah. that Bale owns in Cardiff, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of yeah. Womanby Street. Mm-hmm. So he's got that. It's part of a bigger entertainment group, so it looks like there's more going on with him and his people and what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could have Pokemon Unite in, in a sports bar in Cardiff. <laughs> Can somehow. you imagine? That would be... <laughs> Can you imagine? Wow. That would be pretty epic, I think. That would, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, our friend Kieran just stood there with a bunch of rugby boys all at the same time looking really confused about his environment. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just picturing Kieran now just just there yeah <laughs> with his this switch is, in this the bar just looking around like um cool so yeah Pokemon Unite's Kevin it looks like it's a big esports MOBA it's on the way um it's tied into Tencent which is probably worth mentioning like they have a huge finger on the pulse of just the Asian market and, and that big money Asian market for video games as well. So it's Pokemon. It, it'll be huge either way. Like, mm-hmm. even if people don't pick up initially, I think they'll just will it into existence with Pokemon money. They can. Yeah. <laughs> they that they just will. can. That and they Tencent will. money. <laughs> and Tencent money, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tencent money, yeah. Yeah, Tencent <laughs> money is real money. That's for walking around money. Um, yeah. Cool. Staying with competitive then, I guess. Um, Chris, <laughs> you dropped this in. I did. Billy Mitchell, who. You may or may not remember from the King of Kong, who's a big Donkey Kong and Pac-Man and a big arcade, I guess competitive gamer before there was competitive gaming, yeah. really, right? Uh, as we yeah. know, anyway. Yeah, as we know. Yeah. But he's back. <laughs> he's back. With a vengeance. Yeah. Um, more like a supervillain than ever. Yeah, I, 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 meant, I meant to talk about this last week. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I think we could write, a, we could do a whole podcast based around Billy Mitchell. He. Uh, I'm going to touch on this a bit later again, anyway. But um, he, he, he. Has anyone been watching Tiger King or watched Tiger King during lockdown? You've seen Tiger King? Yeah, definitely the, only... the first thing I watched. Yeah, yeah right, I think it's the first thing everyone watched. Um, if anyone doesn't know anything about Billy Mitchell, just imagine uh, Joe Exotic, but as a gamer in a suit. Uh, yeah, yeah. It terms a character, anyway. He doesn't have the lions. He does have lots of uh, video game machines. Um, he he thinks of himself as some god of gaming, and and to be fair, I think in the early days of the gaming industry, he uh, all the competitive gaming industry, so such it was, he was a bit of a giant, and I think his ego got stroked quite a lot, and he's now just at such a level that he thinks he's some sort of gaming genius. Anyway, a few a few years back, he, he held a few records, um, including Donkey Kong, which uh, as Tom mentioned, there was a film about. Um, again, come back to that later. Uh, that he. Uh, he w- he had an official Guinness uh, record for uh, several games, and in the last couple of years, uh, it emerged that he may have been cheating, and it was quite compelling evidence because basically there was a glitch in the game that could only be done if it was been emulated, uh, and his recorded footage, um, and it was the only way that that I think that particular thing could have happened. So like the evidence was quite clear; he'd been playing on an emulated one for his recent games. So all of his records were struck off um, Twin Galaxies, which is the arcade in America where a lot of these records were made. And and then Guinness also got rid of the records. And then out of the blue, for just no reason, last 
month or last week, the week before last, sorry, the Guinness have reinstated his records, all of them, um, it would seem as well, um, not just um, the ones that were... So, I mean, to be fair, he probably didn't need all of his records wiping, mean, it was probably just the ones that were a bit questionable, but they're all back now, I think including the ones that were a bit questionable. So it's just... And the, the, the thing about it, the thing about it, I'm sorry to keep going, I'm gonna, I could go out Billy Mitchell for hours, the video that he released... Um, there's this, this a whole video, and we'll link to it in the, um, all, the, all the descriptions. Guinness on a video, or someone representing Guinness World Records, talking about why they reinstated him. And then Billy Mitchell comes on, and he just he's, he's, oh, he he just talks for about ten minutes, and uh, I don't know what he's saying. It's just like uh, it's just <laughs> he's uh, talking a lot, but he's not saying anything. It's just like he's he's just he's just talking about how he's an ambassador for gaming, and you know oh. Anyway, he's back, and it's just—it's mind-boggling. I don't get it. I just don't get this guy. How is he? he he's not even a gamer. He's a restaurateur. He opens multiple restaurants. That's his living. Yet somehow he's just in the news about his gaming exploits. I—I I don't know. <laughs> what do you say? To <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start with that. Because did the Guinness explain why? Why they doubled back? Not not in the U-turn, not it? not in the video. Uh, well, no, they did. They well, they did. They said some evidence had cropped up. They re looked at the evidence, and there was some there was a witness testimony that said that his records were were you know real, and, and rightly so. They said, especially with his earlier records, Mame didn't exist. There wasn't any way of playing it emulated in the you know the nineties or eighties or whenever he broke his earlier records. That's fair, but. There's no talk about the recent ones, which were clearly were fake. Mm -hmm. I or well, I mean, I say that as an expert. Yeah, right. I'd, like I know, <laughs> <laughs> they they look fake. The evidence is compelling uh, for the recent ones. So and so they're based on that. They, that's what they're reinstated the records for. I guess they can do whatever they want. The Guinness. Yeah, I guess it comes down to how much effort do they want to put into this legal battle of whether or not. <laughs> the earlier ones were emulated or not or whether they're accurate or not yeah. and i guess it just comes to just energy well and <laughs> that's just wanting to get it done that's exactly it i think because he was going to sue them right and it was like yeah you're right it was like they're just probably thinking who is this guy what what why are we doing that? just just no just 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 have him just have him <laughs> go go away yeah. leave us alone that's probably what they're thinking yeah definitely um i don't think for them it's worth the amount of effort to challenge that to then yeah yeah definitely it's, it's just such a weird one <laughs> i just couldn't imagine myself you know getting a really high score on something on an arcade machine and then challenging it nearly 30 40 years later being like you know i i did this yeah. it needs to be in your book <laughs> you know you've got nothing else you need to put in your book <laughs> oh. that, that's exactly it though he he, he just he's he just keeps coming back and he keeps hanging on to these old memories and of the golden age of gaming, you know, his Pac-Man and Donkey Kong scores. Oh, it's just like, no one cares, Billy. Move on. Yeah, um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this year as well, his Donkey Kong score was beaten by someone else. It was, yeah. So he's not even going to appear in the book for that anymore anyway. Yeah. So I so hope that was the long game from Gilles. He's just going, <laughs> you know what? Let's just give him the record and we'll, we'll find someone to beat them if need be we'll do it legitimately if we have to just to keep him quiet it's less effort yeah. no, unfortunately i think he's still going to be in there as the first person to break um break the whatever the one million it is for certainly yeah. for donkey kong and possibly for pac-man as well he's, he's broke so 
They can get rid of him for his yeah. latest ones, but he'll still be there. Unless they decide to ditch the first time. I mean, you know, who cares about the first time it was done? Let's know. We want to know about the last time it was done. Yeah. Yeah. Say, that, say that to Guinness. <laughs> just, just to spite him. Yeah, just to spite him. <laughs> yeah, so that's Billy Mitchell. Um, mm. yeah. Mental. Um, so that's the story. Uh, and we'll move away from the silliness of Billy Mitchell. Um, so this has been everywhere. If you're in video games at all, you would have heard about this a lot. Um, there's been a whole slew of... Um, allegations and, and stories coming out and women speaking out about um, sexual misconducts and just generally really horrible treatment uh, um, of women in the video game industry. Um, and this doesn't seem to stop at any one studio. You know, I think the stories before have always been it's happened here and then it goes away. It happened there and it goes away. Uh, this has come out everywhere. You know, so you're talking about studios like, I mean, I know that Insomniac, who obviously put out the Spider-Man game and stuff, there was stuff that came out from there. Um, Ubisoft have had to deal with a lot. I think the... I don't know if he's the lead director, but he's definitely the biggest face that we've been seeing ahead of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. He, he's no longer with that studio. He's gone. Um, lots of reports coming out of even kind of websites and stuff like IGN. Uh, a few reports coming from IGN and things. Um, it's difficult for me to kind of put it into words and it feels very very similar to when we first saw the me too movement properly come out and i remember mm-hmm. so many people going oh my god it's insane it's crazy can you believe it and my overwhelming feeling then was yeah yeah i can like this isn't this isn't news this isn't groundbreaking it's not something we're unaware of i'm interested to understand how and why it's come out now but like it's 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 a problem that that industry has had for a long time and it's been dipped and dived a lot um i mean yeah i'll hand it off for a second um we will have links and stuff to all the stories and so on so you can kind of go in and do a bit of your own uh, homework and find out what exactly has gone on and with whom and if you're into video games at all you don't have to search very far to find out about these stories um i would like to say kudos to everyone who's spoken out because that is hard that is mm-hmm. tough yeah. to do at any point coming, coming out and telling your story like that is really difficult doing it when you're in industry and you're acutely aware that your job is on the line, your livelihood is on the line, your reputation is on the line when it shouldn't be, mm-hmm. um, is tough. So so bravo to, to, to those women because um, it, it's a move that needs to be made. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's been, it's been really hard reading all the stories just because I'm sure that there are elements that relate to a lot of people, whether in industry or just through experiences they've had previously um so just the fact that they have come out and shared their stories is really inspiring um i think the way that it's done is it's kind of created a support network across twitter twitter especially i found has been kind of like the hub of where all this information has been shared and i feel like a lot of the women and people who shared their stories have then encouraged other people that have had these experience happen by these exact same people that didn't know other people were affected and mm. um, it's really helped others share their stories and you know hold these people accountable to actions they have done previously um so yeah it's obviously it's a very difficult read um some of the stories mm. just to your heart that these people had to experience them and keep silent for so long because they're worried about their jobs but I think this is going to be the ignition for some big changes within the gaming industry and some positive changes. Um, there's, 
you know, there's these companies that have started from tiny garages and they've just blown up because they've had one successful game and their mentality might still be that they are a garage based studio and which is great in some aspects because, you know, it's usually open development. You can see all different areas of the game being made, but then there's not that dedicated safe space that these people can then go and speak to higher ups about what's happened. Mm. Um, so I think this is definitely going to cause some mentality changes in the gaming industry. But it does also link back to this severe lack of diversity with the game industry in itself. Um, so Yuki did a report earlier this year and only 28% of the games industry in the UK are women. Which, considering how big this industry is, and how many people it employs, especially within the UK, that is just... Yeah, it's appalling. It's, yeah, it's yeah. appalling. Um, yeah. Obviously, you do see companies that are wanting to change this, especially newer indie studios that have started from people that did work in AAA games, and it is really good to see. Um, so hopefully that momentum continues, and we do start to see a lot more diversity than the gaming industry. I know for our studio, that's very important to us, that we have diversity, because... Diversity allows for more opinions, it allows for wider ideas to be shared. And I think that's really important in game development. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of where I stand on it. Um, it's, it's been mad seeing it come out because I mean, I feel, I feel like I had some time off work and it was a weird cyclical process where actually accidentally this has happened, but I'm wearing a bunch of wrestling gear at the minute, right? So Dragon yeah. Pro Wrestling, who are based at Newport, um, Defense Indie Wrestling, who is a Mark Andrews company, who Mark has come to the shop and done photo shoots with Flash and yeah, stuff. Yes, and yeah. Will's got pictures of him with you know belts and things like that. But it was really odd where it started happening really huge in the UK independent scene of wrestling, where you had these women come out and being like, this is a really toxic, horrible environment to work. Like, it's not yeah. very safe. It doesn't feel safe. It's not great. And I think when you say like that network of people to support, that being so crucial, that's exactly what I saw there as well. Yeah. And I think it's what's, it's the silver lining to a really horrible cloud, right? Which is that as soon as those conversations start happening, the support network is so big. And it's, it, it's women holding hands with women and other people saying, yeah, no, I've had these experiences as well. It's people who... It's always a little bit weird because you've got the people who are like, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. You want to you hold those stories up. You want to amplify it. You want to stand behind people and say, I was blissfully unaware or probably blissfully ignorant is a better way to say it, right? Like, yeah. it was happening right next to me. And I didn't – either I didn't see it or I didn't recognize it as a problem or I didn't want to recognize it as a problem. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hearing the stories come out, like seeing it happen in the wrestling scene and seeing it happen again now in, in video games as well, which – I think two scenes in particular, which are so overwhelmingly male-dominated, to yeah. to a fault. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw it a few weeks ago. Before that, you know, we've seen the Black Lives Matter movement do exactly the same thing. Where it's like, yeah, yeah the industry is overwhelmingly white, straight, cis, male. Yeah. Which, first of all, is really boring from a really selfish, creative point of view. Like it's, yeah. like I'm tired of. It sounds ridiculous, and it feels like it's a problem for me to be complaining about, but, like, I'm tired of seeing me all the time, right? Like, yeah. I know my story. I know that I know what you're telling here, right? But just having played The Last of Us, great. Yeah. That's so much more interesting and exciting to see it. And it does only happen with, 
with diversity, right? It's firstly really being loud and amplifying and hearing these stories and, and kind of pushing for just a more diverse environment, I think is the the big takeaway that we need from it. It's yeah. um it's a, when you just touched on uh echo bubbles, um it's interesting. I think I worry sometimes that the games industry has become this giant echo bubble uh, of this toxic masculinity that has just been going around. You look at the reaction to um, The Last of Us uh, in the review bombings, which you touched, touched on last week, uh, and that, that attitude just seems to sort of just thread through everything in the industry and at least through situations like now. And I'm hoping that this, much like, you know, the... Black Lives Matter movement and Me Too previously and yeah. what's happening. I hope these are all sea changes. I hope these are really going to actually change because it's just, you can't keep going on like this. It's not, it's not, it's just, it's just horrible to be in. You can't, I hate reading these things. It's just start going down a Twitter tunnel. You see all these, uh, you know, these responses to some of these stories as well. Oh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, when, when you talk about like the echo chamber of it and also the kind of standards that we become comfortable with, where like looking at the last of us, like all the reviews came out and they were all 10 out of 10s, but then all the user reviews came in and they weren't. So yeah. that, that game has been bombed to hell. I was like, oh, I wonder why that's happened. It took me one play through the game and then we'll stay far, far away from spoilers and things. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you look at the way that, that gay people are captured and, and kind of you, you get a really great uh, perspective on those kind of relationships relationships in a way that I've never had in a game before the way the trans rights and, and just the trans experience is represented in that game mm-hmm. yeah. incredibly just it's just great and you never see those stories but it also made me immediately go that's why oh yeah that, that, that's why that's why that I game mean, gets, gets I mean, like that it's a similar thing happened when Horizon Zero Dawn came out um, I was working at a specific retailer at the time when it was released and again, all of the all of the industry reviewers were like, "Yes, this is amazing! You know, it's awesome. You get to play as a really cool woman character." But I remember speaking to customers and even some representatives from different places that you kind of engage with within that environment, and they say, "Yeah, well, I just can't relate to being a strong woman in a video game." And to me, that kind of blew my mind a little bit because I've always had to play as a straight white man and I could could identify with their story Um, you know one of my favourite games ever is Silent Hill 2 Um, and if you've ever played that you know the story is heartbreaking in parts and you really feel for the character and obviously that you know just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I can't have empathy for that character so I don't so for me it's a bit mind-blowing for people to say you know I can't identify with the woman it's mm. like it's a fantastic story you know it leads you full fully down the empathy path for her so for people to say that was it just a bit like okay well this is <laughs> interesting that, that that nails it actually because i think the core of it is there's definitely a lack of empathy on on well one particular side anyway they just don't see they don't see women or people of colour. It's just, sorry, you know, I don't want to go down the white male cis route, but it does seem to be that in the yeah. main. Um, it's overwhelming. You know, but then, you know, I know that some of the stories that have come out aren't specifically just about white men. So it's, yeah. it's, um, it's, just, it's, it's a very complex and um, discussion. Oh, some aspects are very complex. Other aspects aren't complex. Don't be a, you know, 
word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that's always like that's the big thing. I was like, oh, what, what, what do we do? How do we change it? Don't be an asshole. Yeah. yeah. Like it's. <laughs> it's just I've I've never struggled with, with with that being a difficult conversation, right? Like I get yeah. it can be pretty scary for a lot of people. I think having to sort of check their privilege mm. and kind of accept it. It's like yeah. I don't feel like I've ever had that that privilege. It's like, yeah, that's how embedded in a culture it is. Like, you don't even notice yeah. it's there until you really start looking at it, right? Mm. And I guess that's where it can be so difficult for people to sort of grasp. But it's got to come down to just, just, just a human empathy, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the willingness to learn as well. Like, with the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement, you know, I've spent a lot of time... Uh, researching language and how I can better myself as a person to be a better ally and I think it's really important that you know you do check yourself and you realize that you know how I may have spoken about certain topics is wrong and you know I need to kind of stop voicing my own opinions and start handing over that that big megaphone to the people that have lived through this and Mm -hmm. need to be able to share their experiences um and it's very similar again with this Me Too video games movement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important that we learn from what these people are saying that's happened to them and work as an industry to see, right, okay, we've done wrong. What can we do to be better? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Magic. Um, so, yeah, we will leave that where it is for now but um like i said at the top of it i think we can close up with the same thing um the women that have been and the people that have been sharing those stories they, they, they're doing god's work they really are it's, um it's a change that's going to benefit every single person in the industry everybody who plays everybody who works there it, it's going to be better for everyone even if they don't believe it at this point you know it's we're 15 20 years away i hope from being able to look back and go well, yeah what a turning point that was and how much better it is now mm-hmm. um so yeah uh magic so that's the news where it is for now, I think. Um, and we will move on to our next segment, Chris. Yeah, it's talking points. So talking points. Um, normally we all bring a, a talking point to the table. Um, and I, I, I kind of touched on what, I mean, kind of touched on what my main topic and talking point was this week, which was those new stories and where we were at with it and things. Um so I will kind of hand over to you guys because that's pretty much all I brought to the table is I just wanted to have a chat about that and talk about that. Uh, yeah, um, I'll, I'll just circle back to what I was talking about earlier with Billy Mitchell. Um, it's uh, I, I, We touched on GDC last week and um, speedruns and uh, I'm just fascinated. I'm starting to notice this pattern now of... Um, records and why people are obsessing particularly in gaming and, and i'm trying to kind of understand it because it's it's not like game developers necessarily work towards making i, I know there's racing games where you have people who have to complete a lap yeah. as possible that goes that's built into the concept of the game but like i don't think when mario was designed or sonic was made or you know you know the, now the bigger kind of action games are made people aren't thinking about speedruns or records that can be broken in the game. So why are people still obsessed with them? And I know it's just kind of a broad question, but Billy Mitchell is hanging on to this record for dear life. He is adamant that it's important to him. 
why? I, I, it's such a broad question. What in in games, in video games, which isn't about? I never thought of video games as as a as a medium where people go in to kind of break records. They they go in for the for the personal dopamine hit that you get from playing a game. So to have the ability to lord your successes over someone else, it doesn't necessarily seem inherently built into the concept of gaming, or maybe it is. I don't know. Just I'm throwing it out there. It's a broad question, probably longer than we have time to talk about. I just, I find it fascinating. I don't know. It's just uh... yeah, it it'd be really interesting to hear from developers of games that aren't designed to be speedrun, 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 speedrun. Speedrun. It'd be really interesting to hear from them to see their game kind of being broken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the games aren't designed for that and often it's you've got a glitch through a wall or you know you, it's not just a play in the game from start to finish it's finding cheats of ways yeah. to get through um yeah. and for me that personally would spoil the experience for me um me too obviously there are some games that encourage it so resident evil for example the last three or four had trophies or achievements for completing the game under two hours or under four hours okay. but those games are designed to try and get you to do that. But obviously, like, there's speedruns of things like Bioshock Infinite. You know, games yeah. that are designed and specifically for story. Yeah, it's a narrative yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. it's just, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, 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 that does bring up an interesting point there because, you know, these modern games, they can be patched out, right? They, people can, as soon as you find it... Because the, the one, I will say, I do find it fascinating how... To this day, people are still finding glitches in some of the older games in order to maximise their 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 speed runs. I, I, the patience they have by just sitting there and jumping through every wall and jumping through every just to find the tiniest little pixel that they can just die through the yeah. wall on. And yeah, and you can't do that with modern games. Um, so it's it's just well you can, but then they'll get patched out. So yeah. Um... You only had to watch when um, Animal Crossing came out back in March. There was an item duplication glitch I heard about that, that was spread all around the internet. Yeah. Um, and within a week, there was an update for it. Um, and obviously, the people that did take advantage of that were very lucky that they didn't have any consequences for yeah. that. But obviously, if something like that happens in a live service game, for example, there, there are punishments mm -hmm. <laughs> for this kind of thing, um, for utilising glitches the personal game so well, it breaks the spirit of especially in a game where you might be competing against each other online or you know it breaks the spirit of what the game's about this ties into why why do people cheat in online games it's like why yeah. what's what have you achieved really yeah. <laughs> you just ruined the fun for everyone else i don't know yeah <laughs> I think it's definitely a different type of mindset when playing. Yeah. And, you know, there are some really good YouTube channels based around, you know, speedrunning games. Absolutely, and it can be yeah. funny spotting these glitches. But it does kind of break my heart a little bit for these game developers <laughs> that spent three or four years perfecting this game to then see these. <laughs> see these glitches, yeah. I, I, although I've, I've read some articles, there are some developers who almost want want these people to find the glitches right just you know you know oh, i'm going to leave that glitch in there it's a fun glitch they worked really hard on finding it I, I don't think if it was me making a game i'd be like no that has to be fixed now you know yeah yeah and then it invalidates everyone's speed runs and they got to go and do it again and oh, comes back circles back to why people are so obsessed with doing these in the first place it's 
Yeah, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. There's a lot there. It's like a weird divide in the way that games have been made as well, right? Like there used to be a time where, cool, you put a quarter in and, and you just push and push and get as much as you can out of it, and that was a point. Like when I was a kid, it was oh, I finished this game a hundred times. Like, how can I break the game? How can I get? I remember going, yeah. spending ages looking, like bumping into every wall in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and those glitches <laughs> aren't going to be in the remakes for sure, which is going to be devastating. <laughs> but like, I remember doing that. But that's because I was like 11, 12 years old and that's all I was going to have to play for the next six months and I've got to squeeze everything out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not going to see that in the same way now, right? Like the priorities have changed, even from a development point of view. You're not making games with that in mind anymore. Like the challenge of a game at this point is so... It's so far down on my list of priorities. Like when I went into The Last of Us, I remember looking at the difficulty options and just going, ah, so I could start at medium and then going... I don't want to be interrupted by death repeatedly all the way <laughs> yeah. through this game. And I just dropped it down one. I'm like, I'll deal with it. I can't believe. That's not what I want right now. I can't believe you didn't play it on medium. I'm so disappointed in you. I thought you were a gamer, Tom. Yeah, I Tom, you're not care. a gamer. Sorry. This, this is what was <laughs> yesterday. Oh, you're not a real gamer. Like, yeah. why would you do this yet? Life is really hard. Like, why would you take <laughs> yeah. this with you? Yeah. I wouldn't, like, if I went to yeah. the cinema and they're like, oh, you can watch this film. But every five or ten minutes, I'm going to run out. I'm just going to flash a torch in your eye really aggressively <laughs> and see if you can keep focused. I'm like, I don't want that. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that, especially the last the last year or so because I've just found myself having less and less time um, just because of having to be so involved um, with certain elements of the games that we work on um, that I do find myself using you know, the easy mode just because I want to experience the story. I don't I don't want to be constantly facing this, <laughs> yeah. you are dead. Uh, like, gone poof, gone are my yeah. days of Dark Souls and Bloodborne. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> Just I'm, give me a story. <laughs> I, I, I haven't had time for the last, since we opened the Arcade Vaults, time is, is like now this, this glorious luxury. And yeah, I completely with you. I, I mean, I did play Last of Us on Medium, and I did beat it before you, Tom. I'd just like to clarify that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, but... Most scenarios, I would probably play it on the easier setting because I just can't be bothered. It's, I haven't got the time to just, especially on games that take ages. See, one credit to Naughty Dog, they know how to make a game load quickly. Before yeah. this, yeah, and I'm just going to moan about it one more time, and I'll promise I'll never mention it again. The day's gone, <laughs> day's gone, yeah. has the <laughs> longest loading times. Every time you die, you just have to, and even just going to a different zone, you just, oh, oh, do I have to wait? Why do I have to wait? It just takes you takes you out of the game if there was a glitch for that game for me to glitch through it and speed run it i would have taken advantage of it just want to say that's that's all i'll say on the matter now no more days gone I, yeah, like, I love the idea that every sunday the team at ben they're sitting there going what's wrong like every sunday my ears are just red. Like, what is going on here? and so there's one guy in cardiff every week is like, and the thing with days gone <laughs> no i mean like i i guess it's a big i guess if if you're into video games for the challenge of it, I get it. Like yeah. online competitive games aren't my thing either. Like I said, Destiny, I'll I'll grind my way through like multiplayer modes, like competitive modes that I don't really enjoy just just for gear because it's a quick way to do it. More often than not, I don't want anything to do with that. Like I'm I'm out. And I do think time's probably a big part of it for sure. Mm. I think like with The Last of Us, that solidified that in my head where I'm like, yeah, if I kept, I don't think I died in that game until way into the final third way into the third wow. of that game and i'm really glad like the couple of times that i did die it's because i did something stupid 
I like jumped into a like ravine that I shouldn't have and stuff like that. I've done that a couple. Of, no, I did that a couple of times. That myself, right? Like what an idiot! Like I did that, but for the most part, that was like playing through a movie. It's great. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. Any other topics? Yeah, I guess um we can touch on is this will affect all of you because you're all in slightly different but also the same industries um just how COVID-19 has affected you in your work life um so I know for us in game development it has had a substantial impact on how our day-to-day our day-to-day running of a studio goes um we have a thing called stand-up, which is basically every morning we go around and we check how everyone's doing, if they're, what they're working on and if there are any blockers. But that has now increased because obviously you've got the added extra time where you need to make sure people are okay because you know they're isolating at home. They might only see one other person this whole time. But then also these meetings then eat into your workday and then that affects how much productivity and obviously things like internet speed and stuff like that has a knock-on mm. effect. Um, at least we felt it slightly as a studio. Obviously, we've worked diff- a ways around and worked out clever things to be able to, you know, lower the amount of time it takes. But, I mean, you even saw it with studios like Naughty Dog. So, obviously, The Last of Us oh, was yeah. delayed quite massively, and then, therefore, that impacted Ghost of Tsushima. You're seeing it now with Cyberpunk. Mm. What we aren't seeing currently is how this is impacting games that are releasing next next year and how mm. the knock-on effect has been like for when they'll be releasing so it'd be a really interesting time i think um this peak so um fall 2020 to see what games actually make it out in their usual time space you know what could be really interesting watching happen is we're going into new consoles and new hardware coming out so what's that going to look like when you suddenly got games that were supposed to come out midway through this year suddenly dropping in a launch window like cyberpunk and then you've got games that were always planned for a big launch window and normally we go into a console launch and there's a couple of games and they're not huge games and there's a bit of a drought around a launch i think we could probably get a comfortable chunk of games in a launch window and then nothing like a drought for the first year i I genuinely think we're going to see that because it's just going to be so hard to iron out those creases i mean i'd from a development point of view, we talked to the guys from Pillbug about this a little bit as well. Like, I don't know the depths of development, but even just when you're in that final hurdle, the files you're moving around must be massive. They must be yeah. astronomically huge. So how, how are you moving those packets of data and, and builds and stuff around when you're that far into development? It must be insane. Yeah, I mean, you only have to look at um, Wales Interactive, for example. So Made a Scare was meant to be out and. Um, this month i believe Um, i know it's only been delayed by a month but that's still you know that is still a month um it is really interesting to see like how much again like you said just right at the end of development how that does affect um and i think as well um the effect for games that are being released just digitally and then those that are being released in a physical sense so i think one of the reasons behind naughty dog moving it was yes they needed more time to do stuff but also the fact that no one's going out to a shop to buy Retailers, a physical yeah. copy yeah. of The Last of Us. And I think that would have had a massive impact on their launch um, figures. Yeah. I mean, they sold 4 million copies, I believe. 4 million, in, which is still amazing, right? Yeah. Which is more than 
all of the first party PS4 releases this generation, yeah. um, including that, God of War, which, yeah. which is mind-boggling, well, right? That, that's all. Yeah. That's all more than Spider-Man, and it doesn't matter yeah. what medium you're in. If you're outselling Spider-Man, that's insane. Yeah. Right. On like, one platform as well. Like, this is it's a single yeah. platform. Single yeah. platform. Well, you hear people talk about the Spider-Man movies, and like, if you just work Spider-Man on a movie, it'll sell. Like yeah. the, the the not good Spider Man, I think Spider Man Three, the Sam Raimi Spider Man Three, the really bad one, made a disgusting amount of money. Still, still better than the Amazing Spider Man. I just like to clarify. <laughs> I'm not going to. I know we're not going to talk about this. Tom and I have. <laughs> we're, I can see the look in his eyes. Um, well, you know the thing that's uh, I'm 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 been fa- I'm fascinated by this whole uh, how companies have adjusted to their working practices because I I'm, I have come from the development background. I was freelancing for many years. Um, but it was much easier for me on my own. And um, I always thought, oh, well, you know, digital development technically is probably the most suited industry to be able to work remotely from home. And then as time has gone on, I realised that was just a really, really generalistic way of looking at it because it just isn't true at all. Because like you say, you, you have to have more, more, more meetings which take longer to t- take. T- they take time, they take things set up. No one's got a, like a super powerful computer at home that they can work on. You know, it's not like you can... Do it, run a build of uh, uh, the Last of Us on your on your laptop. You know, it's not yeah. it's not that simple. You know, and you just can't beat that interaction of having someone who's working on something similar to you or working something further down the pipeline next to you. Because if they're physically next to you, you can go well. If you just change that, it will just work a bit better. You know? It just it just all those little things add up, right? They sound like lots of little things, but they just add up and they just slow everything down. Um, For sure. Yeah. For sure. I, and yeah, even if you if you take into consideration as well, if you're a parent, yeah, obviously the schools have been shut. Yeah, so yeah. trying to work while, you know, you're trying to put hundred percent focus Absolutely. on the project that you're working on. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I admire all the parents that have had to, you know, Absolutely. homeschool at yeah. the same time as working pretty much full time. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges, and I know I've speaking to friends and colleagues, and that they found is separating work and home life now because mm. most of us have had to make makeshift desks yeah. things within their home just to make sure that they can work yeah. um like one of my friends is working on their dining room table on a, the chair that comes with the dining room table and if anyone's ever had <laughs> that's to do that e- that's exactly where i'm sitting right now i am sitting on a dining room table on my <laughs> dining room it's uh, not on my dining room you know in you know what i'm saying yeah, it's it's yeah. not it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. My back is just not the same, and I'm old anyway. So, um, the first thing I did was hijack my office chair. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> just That's such sure. a good idea. Just, just bring an office chair from the office home. I could just wheel it through Cardiff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I could sit in the chair and just kind of lasso myself to the back of a car and have myself pulled home. That'd be nice. So I, I digress. Um, <laughs> because the other the other big factor is. The, the COVID virus itself, right? There are going to be people who are, who, are, who are going to be ill, who will have to isolate. You can't work really while you're ill. so And that's going to have a knock-on effect for people who are around them. I mean, you know, the, at the end of the day, we must remember this is a pandemic, right? It's not just everyone working from home. It's, yeah, it's a strange situation. Uh, I'm thinking of the, um, I think of the writer's strike in America a few years ago where that, that had a massive knock-on effect on TV production, right? It was like, and it's happened this year to some extent as well but all tv shows were cut short and the next year's one were all pushed back so it's that's probably what we're going to see something like right it's just it's not just going to happen in tv now it's going to happen in tv and film and and, yeah. and the games industry and 
probably the well, new... I mean, ten... Go on, sorry. Like Tenet, right? Chris, Chris Nolan's film, Tenet. That's been pushed back, yeah. what, two, three times now? Three times, yeah. They, they, like... they, he seems to got this determination, though, to be the first film to come out after yeah. lockdown. So he's, he's only pushing it back a little bit each time, just to see. Yeah. <laughs> this time we're going to get it. This time we're going to get it. Yep, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Mm. But he seems adamant about this July date. And yeah. I don't know about you, but I can't see cinemas opening soon, um, just given the oh. nature of them. Yeah. But I have seen a lot of pop-up outdoor cinemas that seem to be wanting yeah. to... I, I feel like we've been transported back to the 1950s. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> like drive-in cinemas are coming yeah. back in a big way. And nobody would have expected... Nobody would have called that pre-COVID. The return of the drive-in theatre. They did a they did a Cardiff Castle do a summer three-day thing. I went to see yeah. Back to the Future in Cardiff Castle. Yeah. Brilliant experience. I would love <laughs> to do that. for. I miss the cinema. I miss the cinema a lot. I don't mind yeah. watching yeah. TV at what home, but I hadn't realised quite how much I missed the experience of going out there and just sitting and watching the film. So, uh, we'll, it when... should be interesting. Like, what those experiences are like are going to be really interesting. Where Did you see um, Dave Chappelle had his special go up on YouTube? I think, yeah, I think it was on YouTube. And like even that, right? He's doing it in this little booth and then he's got an audience, but it's all seats of two all scattered around. And it just means the entire atmosphere is it. I mean, don't get me wrong. The entire atmosphere of that show in light of like BLM and stuff was weird anyway. Like, it's a really difficult show to do. I bet. I think he was the first one back at that point. But just everything being spaced out weirdly and things, it's going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, what, I, what I would really love to see is I don't know how most workplaces are doing it. It sounds like the studio are doing it, Leo, which is amazing. My day job, I've been really, really good at it, is just managing wellness and mental yeah. health and being really understanding about stuff like that yeah. i'd love to see the video game industry carry that through to going back yeah right like Definitely. like we've just had yeah. that huge delay for cyberpunk and the story far more often now seems to be from an audience point of view people going i understand that it needs to be delayed that's okay take mm-hmm. the time get it right but then you always have jason schreier is always really really good for it jumping straight on and going cool this doesn't mean they have loads of time to finish. This means they've got to struggle with crunch for another six months. Yes. And that sucks. Yeah. yeah. So I'd, I'd love to see those habits carry through. Yeah, definitely. I think something to consider as well with this whole um, pandemic, that obviously more people are spending time at home and people have been furloughed as well. But it also means they have had more time to play games. <laughs> That's true. So... <laughs> For us, um, obviously, with Boundless being an MMO, our forums have been busier than ever, which is great to see. I mean, some great community uh, events have happened because they've got more time to do it and across different time zones as well, rather than on a Sunday at like six o'clock, something like that. Um, So, but obviously that means there's more work needing to be put in. So Mm. it'd be really interesting to see other studios, how they have fared. Um, I think it has been a blessing, though, that obviously the games industry, although it's been impacted from a release point of view, I'm very lucky in the fact it hasn't impacted us as some other industries such as retail mm. um, and pubs and restaurants and things like that. So, Yeah, yeah we, we've got friends that work in retail that have been really kind of like stuck and, and it's, it's been really tough. But I mean, I think, yeah, I think there's, there's not upsides, but there's definitely things to be learned going forward. Definitely. You know, I'd, I'd love to see that stuff keep on being brought through. Things yes. like wellness and like just the idea of just inviting your work into your house as a normal thing is really scary. And companies seem to be quite reticent to want to do that. 
Yes. Even what we were speaking earlier in terms of just, I feel like things like BLM and the speaking out movement and all that stuff, that's been amplified by the fact that people are just sat at home. home. Absolutely and right. And they're yeah. listening. Yes. And it's just been able to elevate it. And it's, all the, it's the little things like that where you go, yeah, there's a global pandemic sucks. There's no two ways around it. It sucks for the regular person. It's devastating for some people. And it's deadly for, for a lot of us as well. Yes. But like there's stuff there that we can that we can kind of take with us. It's going to be really interesting watching everyone readjust to oh. whatever that normal looks like afterwards. I've yes. seen I've seen a lot of people say um, that uh, we'll never go back to normal. But what they're talking about is they're thinking that we're going to be social distancing forever. The virus is going to have a physical impact on the way we live. And I think they've got it wrong. I don't think those are the things that are going to come out of this pandemic. It's all the things we've just been talking about. That the, yes. the societal changes, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter has been around for years, but like you say, the voice has been amplified because everyone's listening. All this stuff happening in the games industry, that it's important stuff that has got a voice now and people have been able to listen because they're in the place to listen. So and I'm hoping those things carry through. Even working from home, I know you said that, Tom, there was a few people who don't necessarily want to invite work from home. I know a lot of other companies, uh, different different industries who have said, you know what, we don't have to pay for our office anymore. Our, our workers have shown they don't actually need to come in. We're cutting down our workspace. They're going to be working from home. That's going to have a long-term impact. That I remember, I'm old enough to remember the 90s where they used to talk about the paperless office and the concept of remote working, and it never really caught on. And I think it's, it's like 20 years later now, it's finally that whole concept is now, in a broader sense, is, is actually going to happen. People aren't going to be in the offices. People are going to be no longer having to post things to each other. It's just yeah. the dream of dream of 20 I mean, years. It's just that weird thing of like, yeah, the world was forced to stop for the better part of, what do we know, four months? Yeah. Like, it's, like the world's been forced to stop and really look at what we're dealing for the first time since ever. War. Right? Yeah. Like, Wars, we're, probably. We're like since since yeah. war, right? Yeah. So it's the first time you've had to really stop and look at where we are and what we're doing and how we're doing it and really look inward and kind of look at things in detail mm. and i do think there's going to be some big shifts you know in terms of how we work in terms of how we live definitely in terms of how we treat each other yeah i think there's probably going to be stuff for better and for worse there um, and it's going to be interesting watching that work but for the most part i think yeah it's it's weird initially try and look at the kind of tangible stuff like oh am i gonna have to wear a mask everywhere i don't think people were expecting to be going oh do i actually have to put thought into what i say to other human beings now but the fact that that has to be me thought, yeah, people are gonna have to take that with them now. It's like, yeah, a lot of people are doing that already, dude. But if it's with you now, I don't care how we got here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There is there is one more there is one more thing I'd just like to say on on the impact of COVID. Middle aged TikTokers. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. We'll just move on from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Magic. Um. So. We'll move out of talking points. We've done a lot of talking, which is always great. It's a podcast. It's what we're here for. Yeah. Um, and we'll move into our recommendations of the week, I believe. We will. Yeah. So, recommendations, Tom. I will go first, just to get it out of the way, because it's going to be a weird one. Now, I will admit, I've got to be careful how I word this as well. <laughs> so, I've been playing Beyond a Steel Sky, which is a sequel to an old point-and-click adventure, which I think was Beyond a Steel City, back on PC and stuff. Um, and the guys have been working on this for a while. 
disclaimer straight out the bat, I played this on my iPad through Apple Arcade. I didn't pay for Apple Arcade either. So I haven't paid for the game. Um, but I, I kind of played it. I've been looking at it for a long time. It looked really interesting and really big in scope. And it is pretty old school in terms of how it plays. It is very much walk around, point, click, talk to people. And, and that's really, really fun. Um, but it's just kind of blown my mind in terms of what you can get from a mobile game now. Like mobile gaming is what you think of when you say mobile gaming is so far behind us. This is a proper decent, full, big, it's got this kind of cel-shaded yeah. look. So it, it looks and runs better than uh, if you play Tales for the Borderlands. It looks and feels and plays way smoother and better than that did, uh, and that wow. that ran great. Wow. So I'm really really impressed, um, and I think it, it is on Apple Arcade for iPad and iOS, but I think it's on consoles as well. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. I'm uh, really enjoying it. Beyond the Skill Steel Sky or, or the, the concept of point and click adventures on iPad seems like the perfect fit, and I feel like that should have it should those style of games should have taken off more. Uh, and I'm glad yeah. to see that you're actually, there are actually some good ones on there. So that's good to... I might, I might try that out and get back my iPad from wherever it is at the moment. <laughs> I, I had my controller ready to go to play it, assuming that I was going to have to, because it's really easy yeah. to just kind of connect your controller and go on iPad now. Um, and within about 30 seconds, I was like, nah, I don't need this. Like, never mind, just put it back on my bag. Like, yeah, it, it just works. Like, yeah. it's, it's really well thought out. It's nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to see how many games are coming to iPad now. Um Larian Studios announced that they're bringing Divinity Original Sin 2 last week oh, wow. to iPad, which is in- incredible. Like for, yeah, yeah. for an RPG with hundreds of hours, like how, how is that going to work on the iPad? But I'm very excited to see how mm. that kind of pans out. I mean, I think it, it, it's been an interesting time for Apple trying to work out what Apple Arcade looked like, I think. Um, and again, I've got a tiptoe just because of my day job, kind of how I go around it. But I think it's the main thing that people are slowly looking at from a development point of view is I think iPad has become really, really interesting in terms of a gaming option. Things like Metal make it really kind of a lot easier to develop for iPad and stuff. And obviously Apple have just announced now that they're moving away from their Intel chips, right? So their Intel processors are going to go. Mac is potentially going to look more like their kind of a range of chips that they have for mobile and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Ultimately, it'll probably come down to cool. Who wants a bunch of money to come make stuff for iPads? Yeah. But, you know, I've got my iPad Pro. I love my iPad Pro. Given the option, this would probably be my go-to machine to play games on, I think, other than my home consoles. So. We'll talk about Metal another day. <laughs> anyway. Um... I did see you flinch a little bit, and I was like, that's what I've been told. <laughs> yeah, of course you've been told that. I don't know any developers that use Metal. Uh, anyway. Um, uh Leah, have you got a recommendation of the week before I go into mine? Only because mine's a bit of a skew if one. Okay. Um, it's not so much... It is a recommendation. It's more something I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, so I briefly mentioned it earlier. So um, Wales Interactive have got a game coming out next month called Made of Scare. Um, I absolutely adore horror games. Um, I pretty much played on my PlayStation 1 and 2 up until I was about 16, 17, just because I kept replaying Silent Hill. <laughs> um, so for me, um, it, that would probably be my recommendation or my thing that I'm definitely looking most forward to in the next coming months. Um, the soundtrack looks amazing. It looks really scary. It's got loads of puzzles in. Um, it looks... It's definitely something that has been missing from this generation, I feel. Um, yes, there's been a few survival horrors, but nothing that kind of goes back to that whole isolated feeling 
of kind of staggering around trying to complete a Figure game out, yeah. while in complete horror with what's going on. So yeah. I, I, so just to clarify, made as in M A I D of scare S K E R. Is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's so, correct. Yes, because um, it's Wales Interactive and it's set in yes. Wales. So and yeah. uh, it, it, I've I've seen a few trailers of this game. I actually they've caught my eyes. They, uh, I've been following them for a while. It's the first game of this. I really want to think I'm actually gonna, yeah, I'm gonna get this because I like I like a, I'm also, unlike you. I like I like a survival horror. Um, I haven't. No, I like a horror. I should say I don't. I'm not. A, I, I'm, I, survival horror. I find I find them all. They all kind of blur into one kind of Resident Evil shaped kind of game. And uh, not that I'm. Uh, you know, Resident Evil's a great game. I just. Uh, you know, I, I'm. Um, there's a game I'm not allowed to talk about. I just realised, so I'm not going to talk about that game. There's a test going on for a game at the moment that uh, I can't talk about, but when I get the chance to talk about it, I will talk about it. However, I, yeah, I'll go with that recommendation. It's a good recommendation. Made a scare. Yeah. Yeah. And it's based on folklore from around right. South Wales as well. So yeah. for me, obviously, it, it hits home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because it's about home. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that. Um, cool. Uh, so the reason I said go first, because my recommendation isn't technically a game. <laughs> it's okay. uh, it's it's what I talked uh, Just I know this is the third time I've talked about Billy Mitchell, uh, but the, the reason I'm, uh, I'm going to recommend that everyone goes and watch King of Kong. So that video game documentaries professionally made ones anyway uh not that i'm you know there's some great stuff on youtube but like actual kind of mini films like the uh, indie game dev the movie and that kind of style of documentary there's not a lot of them uh and uh, king of kong is uh basically the story of billy mitchell and this newcomer uh steve weeber i can't we i can't say it it's w-i-e-b-e-r is the surname Weber or something like that. Anyway, he's um he's his new start newcomer who's coming to try and beat Billy Mitchell's record, and it's a great film. If you haven't seen it, go and see it. There are a bunch of other films <laughs> that involve Billy Mitchell. I don't want to expose anyone too much to him, but this sums up everything you need to know about him. So that is my recommendation week. A documentary, a very interesting one. Mm. All right, it's really good. I think like when when you say like there aren't many like that, like. You're, you're on the nose. I can think of that and I can think of Indie Game the Movie as documentaries that have like a narrative thread and mm-hmm. a story and characters to them. Yeah. Like, I, I think I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast, right? Like, Danny O'Dwyer and the guys at Noclip on YouTube, mm-hmm. they do incredible documentaries. Yeah, yeah. But they're very much like, cool, what is your studio like? Let's talk about making games. Like they're, they're a little more industry focused and behind yeah. the scenes. and it's not a character and a story and a, a tale like that. And yeah, yeah. King of Kong, I remember, be, I remember hearing about it and be like, really? Like, really? But it, it does such a good job of showing you Billy Mitchell and just this eccentric, crazy guy. Yeah. And then this just sort of work-a-day dude who really likes Donkey Kong. He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to go beat that score. Yeah. And I'm like, go, go on, working man of mine. Like, yeah, go for it. Um, it's really great. Yeah, yeah. I, I double down on King of Kong. It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, I'll make film. sure to give it a watch. Yeah, do, do. <laughs> really good. It's really, really good. good, yeah. Um, yeah. Magic. So those are our recommendations. So Gunner Seal Sky, Hanging Off and Made of Scare, and King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. Right. Chris, Q&A section. 
Yeah, so this week's Q&A is uh, much like last week's and the weeks before, poorly organised. Uh, we haven't really got... <laughs> 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 we haven't got an official set of questions and answers, uh, certainly from the public to us, um, but uh, we can use this as an opportunity to talk to Leah about anything that you have going on with the stuff that you're working on. Is there anything you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I guess um, this would be a perfect opportunity to mention that Bamless is currently half price in the Steam sale. Um, so definitely recommend checking it out, especially for only £16.49. Okay. Um, hundreds of hours worth well, of really gameplay good. um yeah so i don't really know what to well i'll tell you i'll ask you, i'll ask you some questions because I, I i'm okay. not i'm not overly familiar with boundless so what's um what's it's, it's an open... elevator pitch elevator, elevator pitch. pitch yes okay. tell us about the game elevator pitch. okay uh, pressure. Pressure. Uh, so Boundless is a voxel MMO sandbox, which sounds like a whole load of words thrown okay. together. Uh, but basically, you start off the game by creating your character. Okay. So you're this miscellaneous creature, and then you walk into what's called the Sanctum, where you pick up your atlas, and you pick up your warp totem, and you put them together, and there's a great big planet in front of you, and you choose where to warp to. So you land on this planet after going through a portal to discover you have absolutely nothing on you. And now the aim of the game is to set up a base and kind of go from there. So the first couple of steps that you do within the world is kind of navigate around, looking for things like trees and foliage that you can destroy to then create other things. So one of the first things you create is like a workbench. Mm -hmm. And then from that, then you can create your campfire which is like a temporary holding spot for where you'll potentially want to have your base. And then from there, you would place a beacon. And then that beacon then can become kind of anything you want. So there's lots of choice within Boundless of how you want to play it. There's no right or wrong way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you kind of start by creating your base um, and going from there. You can create a shop. You can I'm go hunting. Just, while you're talking, I'm just loading up Steam because uh, <laughs> this sounds amazing. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's it's not early access, is it? Is it? It's a no. It's, it's um, fully, released. fully released. So it released um, not last September, the September before. So okay. coming up to our second birth anniversary, even though the nice. game's been around <laughs> a bit longer than that. Um, it is cross-platform as well, so Ooh, okay. it's available on Steam and PlayStation 4. And at any given point within the game, you're playing simultaneously with those other players. So mm -hmm. as you're kind of navigating the worlds, um, you can come across players from, again, all around the world. Okay. Um, we don't isolate players either, so you can play on any server. Mm -hmm. So you can be playing in Australia, but obviously based in the UK. You can be on the US West Coast playing with someone, again, within the UK. Okay. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very, it's, it's really cool how you get to play with different people and you get to meet people from different walks of life. And as I kind of mentioned earlier, there's no right or wrong way to play. So you can come across someone that's about to go on a hunt. And when I say a hunt, that means a meteor hunt. So you okay. go to higher level worlds where you get these meteors that span, um, that spawn in different regions and then you hunt those and there's creatures that kind of attack you and you have to kind of destroy all the creatures before you can get the goodies within the meteor um, and then the materials you get from that then 
be used within your base to kind of fuel your portals, build new items, and lots of other things like that. So well, that sounds really good. Actually, sounds really good. Uh, sorry, that sounds like I'm really surprised. Yeah. I didn't mean to sound like <laughs> quite so. I just, you know, I don't know because uh, you know, I, I we get so many recommendations all the time. That, but personally, for me, that sounds like my kind of game. So I am actually genuinely going to add that to uh, if, my peaceful list as well. Uh, right. The one that got me about it is like I remember hearing about it and getting an idea of what it was and having that idea in my head. But every time I see screenshots and stuff on Twitter and things, like it always like it stuns me how gorgeous that game can look. Like people, I mean, like they're doing really cool stuff and it looked really pretty. Mm. Yeah, and um, at the moment there's a community event on on one of the planets um, to create pixel art. <laughs> and That's some of brilliant. the designs people have come up with are just incredible. Like someone's done the scream art. Um, wow. This. Yeah, there's some really incredible pixel art, and I've been asked by the community to judge it as well. So that's going to be very difficult to do, seeing all these entries that people have done. Um, and obviously, I had to join in as well. So I've created my own Slimer pixel art because oh, we've wow. got a <laughs> we have a really cool block called Slide that basically kind of looks like green um, slime. <laughs> so okay. it worked really well for for the pixel art. So yeah, that's kind of boundless in an elevator pitch. Obviously, there's a lot more that goes into the cool, game. Yeah. Um, it's kind of one that you need to get in and kind of explore yourself. Um, there's permanent planets, and then we've also got something called exoplanets as well. So there's always something going on new to explore. And um, the exoplanets are kind of temporary planets with rare materials so that you can't get on the permanent planet. So obviously, you want to get there quickly get the materials and then use those for crafting new and exciting things as well so that's great cool sounds good magic so that being our q a segment <laughs> yeah. chris do you want to sell your ways there's a lot going on right there's a lot for the arcade bots to get ready for there is yeah right i for this section i'm gonna make my face big <laughs> 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 this happened last week as well for some reason you two keep switching around here so anyway um yeah switch sides <laughs> i very nearly cricked my neck don't do that don't do that uh so yeah um the arcade vaults right so lots of stuff happening i think we, we touched on this last week but uh the hope the, the plan is we hope that the in the the government in the, in England are going to announce pubs and leisure reopening with a one meter plus rule in on July the fourth. If the pattern holds and Wales do something two to three weeks after, the kind of goal we're aiming for is reopening at the end of July. Um, now, obviously, we don't know anything yet. However, in order to get us to a nice place where we can open up and do stuff, we're probably going to be focusing a little bit more on the retail side of stuff. So we've always sold a little bit of merch, but we are going to be very imminently launching our own merchandise. It's super exciting. Uh, there will be some previews, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, but we have some T-shirts and some hoodies and stuff to start with. Uh, they look good. We think they look good. I mean, of course we're going to say that. Of course we're going to say that. Um, but I think they look good. Uh, and uh, there'll be other stuff as well, so some more, you know, usual stuff like mugs and 
stickers, that kind of thing. All available in store or online, maybe. I don't know yet. We'll find out. <laughs> um, uh, but we're going to carry we're going to carry on doing this sort of stuff, and hopefully, what that will also mean is that uh, in the next few weeks, the podcast might might migrate to Tom and I actually recording it in person together. In person, I know, which will be very <laughs> exciting. Um, and uh, oh, and amongst other things, we'll be carrying on with our usual content as well. So uh, this week we have uh, on Monday we're still playing Castle Crashers. And I'm still a bit rubbish at it. Uh, I need to find a game that I'm good at. Uh, we have. It's not many. Oh, that's cold. <laughs> so mean. That's so mean. We will have it. Uh, we will have it. We will have another game on, on Wednesday, which we haven't decided what it is yet. So maybe I'll find something that uh, Tom and I can compete with, and we'll see how good you are at that game, Tom. Will we? Maybe online just Street, Street Fighter. Fighter on. Yeah. He's just gonna put Street Fighter. On. I, that's the only game that I know I could beat you at. He beats me at everything else. It's no good. Um, uh, and uh, we're going to be doing some more pushing as well for the Patreon in the next uh, week or two. Uh, thank you to everyone who's supported us so far. Uh, we are going to continue to use that to help us create more interesting content uh, like this. And there will be some more stuff coming in the form of, uh, well, you'll see soon. <laughs> uh, so yeah, go to <laughs> Patreon slash the Arcade Vaults uh, and you'll find out more about that there. And um, I don't think there's anything else events-wise going on really, but uh, if you're in the neighbourhood of Cardiff, walk by the shop, see if you can see me in the window doing stuff to the shop. Uh, and say hi and wave uh, otherwise yeah that's pretty much it for um, what's going on in the arcade vaults at the moment that's in reopening right is so much of what we've been doing by force and lockdown because nothing was going on like we said earlier we get to carry that on right yeah absolutely. we're still going to be doing the podcast and None of that's going away. It was never temporary. Yeah, so, yeah. This, this, yeah. These were all, all, it's going to be insane. Yeah, the podcast, the online streaming, the all the stuff we were talking about with merchandise, all of that stuff was stuff that we'd always planned to do, but now we've just had the time to do it. So here we are. Getting guests yeah. on as well, always exciting. Feel like feels like a, <laughs> it's quite exciting getting people from like further and further out. You know, Next it will be like uh, someone from Australia. I don't know. I don't know anyone. <laughs> You jumped so quick from like <laughs> Leah to Australia. I don't know where I, I don't know where I went there. That was like a I know it's a big and it's a random leap because I don't know anyone in Australia who would come on our podcast. So I don't know we where I was going with all it. of Europe. Yeah, which is. <laughs> I mean, we have an animator from New Zealand and oh. another one from Canada. So there we go. You know, there we go. Know. Yeah, we go. All right. I was way off then. You were right on the right track, mate. I, I'm way off. You're way off. There you go. <laughs> Amazing. So, um, yeah, Leah, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank um, you. Um, it's really cool. I mean, it's really cool getting to speak to you again because I haven't seen you in ages. Yeah. Um, but also, like, getting to work, like, talk shop and stuff, which we never really do. <laughs> it's always just, oh, my God, how are you? Are you still alive? <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Um, yeah. But, no, thank you for coming and hanging out. It's been really yeah, cool. thanks. Yeah, it's been really cool as well. Um, thank you for having me as well. So, That's all right. Our pleasure. Yeah, it's great Absolute to see you pleasure. both yeah, again. We'll it's been a very long time. So. Yeah. It's we'll also nice to see... Time someone else other than <laughs> who I live with. Because, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. But with you on that. <laughs> Amazing. Chris, thank you always. No you know, you're the man in charge. <laughs> um, and if you're listening, if you're watching, thank you for tuning in. Um, keep an eye on, on social media and stuff. You can find me on social media as well. Um, and all the guys over at Boundless. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week. See you next week, everyone.
Thank you. Thanks. Bye.